Today, I want to speak to you about the exchanged life. The exchanged life. Yes. And so to do that, let us uh, just do some scriptures first so you can see, you know, a, a, a general picture of what we're talking about and, you know, uh, where we're getting these, these thoughts, etc., from. So, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Turn to somebody and tell them that includes you. All right, yes. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We're not left in a case position. Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that's today all right that he might be the just that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin now you're going to watch you know uh, the, the, the where we were and where we get to go to would you, would you put the first one up there again and you he made alive who were everybody say dead yeah, yeah. In trespasses and sins. Think about it. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our Flesh. They shows that the world is at and where we once were, we did the same thing. Fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. 
But God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having, this is the part, this is the part of the scripture I want to emphasize, having no hope without God in the world. Father, this morning we thank you. We ask that the Holy Spirit, for his assistance, we ask for the glory of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, to be blessed and be evident this morning. In Jesus' name. Your first birth, my first birth, born without hope. Aliens, not belonging. No promise regarding our future. Strangers from the wonderful promises of God, having no hope. That's what the Bible says. A life, a bleak picture. Dead, led by Satan, separated from Christ, without hope and without God. He is saying that you were walking dead. Walking dead. You and I without Christ, which I'm going to talk about this exchange life today, it was a zombie life. Now, I have not seen, I've heard about the Walking Dead movie or the program. I haven't watched that. So, uh, uh, what Paul is basically, you know, Telling us that we were <coughs> dead people walking. Functioning but dead. Separated spiritually from God. We were living in a world where God had been edited out. It was the wise man Solomon that said, as he evaluated life, and within his own uh, grasp and ability was to literally try everything. He said, I tried everything. Riches didn't work for him. Houses and lands. 
extra wives. He said it was all just a veneer. Yes, it was just a cover up for the realities in life. Even all the abundance of it, if it doesn't have God, if it doesn't have Jesus Christ, it's living but yet dead. Hoping, but yet not having any hope. So we entered the world. We begin to discover that in this firstborn birth, our first birth, that life is always changing, always becoming, yet never arriving, never seemingly fulfilled. The scripture says that if we should gain the whole world and lose our soul, and so he draws our attention to that part of us that is essential to have life here and life here after the soul, to lose the soul. To lose the key to life. Yes. A life of the first birth, he says, leads to hopelessness, helplessness, and destruction. We discover that it's self-centered, self-sufficient, and self-made. It walks under the weight of rejection, of failure, guilt, and shame. They themselves are always close at hand, waiting to be able to be, find a ride on our shoulders. To use our soul as the vehicle of hopelessness and despondency. Out of that, there is fighting, conflicts, and anger, and jealousy, strife, anxieties, fears, depression, countless feelings stemming from the insufficiency of self-sufficiency. It was into that situation, it was into that picture that Jesus Christ Stepped. So let me ask the question, or at least pose, how you can lose your soul. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Jesus confronts humanity with this profound reality. The soul can be lost. What does it profit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? It says in Genesis 
that God went ahead and created mankind and he breathed and man became a living soul. There is the connection of the natural and the breath of God. And yet it can be separated and it is separated at death. How can I lose my soul? You can starve your soul. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds or comes from the mouth of God. Think about the rich man. In Luke chapter 16, he lived well, he enjoyed life, he was dressed in purple, he never really thought about his soul or his eternal destiny. He never thought about God, who is the giver of all things. He just lived for himself. He lived for the temporal. And Paul uses the word world. World. Not so much the cosmetic world, you know what I mean? with the world of appetite. Just as bread sustains the body, the word of God sustains your soul. This rich man had no taste for the word, no hunger for it, no appetite for the things of God. Jesus told a story and of another man. This man, by and large, was what we'd call maybe living the American dream. He worked hard. He stored up all that he needed for a long retirement. And he said to himself, So, you have ample goods laid up for many years, so relax, eat, drink, and be merry. I'm going to enjoy myself. I've earned it. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. And all of these is not a put down of supplies and abundance supplies. It is not a put down. Now, with regard to things, it is the missing element that whether you're rich or poor, you can lose your soul. Amen. So you can starve your soul. You can strangle your soul. It says in Mark 4.19 that the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. We're going to get to the good part, okay? Because <laughs> we're talking about the exchange life. He's just trying to get us to see 
the missing element. Yes. To strangle your soul. Life can strangle your soul. You not only strangle your soul, you can surrender your soul. Peter 2 and 11. Beloved, I urge you to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against the soul. They war against the soul. Yes, you and I can trade our soul away. Esau did. Judas did. Demas did. They thought they were gaining something and they lost everything. Jesus steps in and offers us something in exchange for hopelessness. Something in exchange for confusion. Something in exchange for the conflicts. Something in exchange for the burdens and the anxieties that become associated with Life. Yes. He offers a sufficiency that comes from him so we don't have to rely upon our own sufficiency. An amazing thing. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, but God who is rich in mercy. He saw the picture. Paul kind of paints the picture, but then God says, in my mercy, I'm going to step in. I'm going to step in, and I'm going to afford a new birth, a birth into hope, a birth into life. For in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength for his strength. The word renew literally means to exchange. To exchange your strength for his strength. The secret, he says, of victory is not found in and among the strong, the bold, or the innovative. It's found in new life in Jesus Christ. Nicodemus was a little perplexed when he came to Jesus and said, you know, you know there's something about you that I'm interested in. No man can do these works except God was be with him. 
Jesus responds and says, Nicodemus, you got to be born again. Isn't it interesting that he didn't take him any further? He didn't try to explain it to him because he knew there had to be a transformation. There had to be, you know what I mean, illumination. There had to be a comprehension in order for Jesus to lead him further with regard to that which he was interested in. You must be born again. Simply you must come to Jesus. You can't born again yourself. Not good grammar, but... You must be born from above. I had a first birth, but now I need a second birth. So rather than having a life that's condemned and guilty and enslaved to sin and unrighteousness and confident in yourself and Adamic in his pride and his independence, being defeated. The new birth brings us innocence, forgiveness, freedom in Christ, righteousness, confident, a citizen of heaven, holy, unblemished, Christ centered. And victorious. Are you living that way? Because when you came to Jesus, you were not getting a modified life. You were getting an exchanged life. Yes. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives In me. I love that. I see sometimes the difference between the way some believers live and those who live the exchange life. Yes. And it can be the difference between riding a bicycle and riding a motorcycle. In order to get anywhere, you have to provide the pedal power. But when you understand the exchange life, there's a motor. There's a motor. It's not me who's living, it's Christ's life who's living in me. Yes. He came to exchange lives. Your hopeless life for his hope-filled life. To have Christ's life in us 
For he is, who is joined to the Lord is one with him. The exchange life. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. You can continue to read that from Isaiah 53. Romans chapter 5 says, Just as one man sinned into the world, and death through sin, and death spread to all men because all sinned, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. You don't have to have done it like Adam did. You were born into it. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift of the grace of the man Jesus Christ abounds to many. And for by one man's offense death reigned through one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. It's not problem in issue removal, it's power. It's an infusion. Yes. It's getting that motorcycle started. We are to reign in life. Think about this exchange. From guilt to righteousness. Yes, there is therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but according to the spirit. In other words, who kind of get the motorcycle started. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 21. He who... He, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We go from a condemned life to a justified life. We go from the wrath of God to the love of God. Romans 5 and 9, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Romans chapter 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. What you see there is that Romans 5 and 9, the wrath of God... It's a transformation because of Jesus Christ. From wrath to love. Oh my. Too good to be true? It's true. Alienation to fellowship. 
You who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. You can have fellowship. Sin is not a hindrance. And we will look at that in a different aspect right at the end of this message. He says that our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Yes, we go from, sl- from sin's control to freedom of righteousness, from death to life, from temporal life to everlasting life, from darkness to light, from enemies to friends, from curse to blessing, from turmoil to peace. The sake of time, I'm not giving you all the scriptures, but that's what it says. From sorrow to joy, from meaningless to purpose, and from weakness to power. Your life for his life. His life for your life. It's called a new birth because it's a new beginning. All things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. You don't need to have a trailer once you become a child of God. A trailer that carries the sins, the mistakes, the failures. Unhook the trailer. Amen. Unhook the trailer. You know, free that motorcycle up. You don't have to be tormented. No. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You don't have to focus so much on where you've been, but where you're going. It's the righteousness of God. Yes. It's an exchanged life. It is a new life, but it's a life that already is that you get. It's not life that is coming or to become. Where's the baby at? There's one right back there. That baby is not waiting to become life. That baby has life. 
Yes, there's a growth because of the, the new DNA, a new genetic that is in there. But the fact of the matter is, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. At the cross, there's a great exchange that takes place. It says he was despised and he was rejected. Man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. He's borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Smitten by God and afflicted. Wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. Yes, the exchange life is, was purchased that we might be forgiven. Wounded that we might be healed. Now, to be healed is not just a physical aspect. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And to heal the broken hearted. We begin to connect to the soul. <coughs> to heal that broken heartedness. There in that mind, that will, and that emotions. Our world is suffering. We watch and see the playing out of hopelessness all the time. Reaching for hope. Wars reaching for hope. <coughs> Fighting in struggles reaching for someone or something. And there is one who is reaching for us, Jesus Christ. Remember the song that I grew up on and, you know, it's at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. Would I sound arrogant as though I told you I don't have very many bad days? I remember our story was on the news. Actually, it was on news broadcast, you know what I mean? And in this, he was a hippie of that generation. And he said, you know what I mean? Uh, they were going through some of the elements of life and, uh, you know, uh, people, you know, trying to, you know, speak into his life, not positively, you know, criticizing. And he said, how do you handle that? He said, well, he said, I don't let them buy any space up here. I'm not going to let you buy any space up there. 
Why? Because he says, set your mind on things above. Where Christ sits and reigns. Your thought life has a great contribution to your victory because it's about focus. The the problem of life, the situation of life need to be held at arm's length. You can take a nickel and hold it close enough to your eye and it will blot out the great sun. And you cannot see the sun at all because of the closeness that you're holding it. Don't hold it so close. As you hold it at arm's length, you're not, you know what I mean, putting your head in the sand regarding it. You're allowing the light to get in so you can see with proper perspective. In the world, you'll have a tribulation, but in him... You and I have victory. Don't hold those bothersome things so close. The sun, the natural sun, you know how big it is, how it can light the world. But yet at the same time, it can be closed out. We talked about the things that can hinder and cause the soul. Things that the soul needs for its life, needs for its view, needs for its perspective, needs for its Hope. He was made a curse that we might receive a blessing. He endured poverty that we might share in his abundance. Asked my musician team to come this morning. He bore our shame that we might share his glory. My. He endured my rejection that I might have his acceptance with the Father. He was cut off that we might be joined to the Lord. Our old man was put to death in him that we might be a new man, have that new man come alive in us. It's called forgiveness. Forgiveness. 
God in Christ has forgiving given you. And he's done it for Christ's sake. Hallelujah. Pastor, why are you bringing this to the forefront? Paul writes in Ephesians and says this. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Now what he's saying, there's some saints that are getting it. And I'm not going to point out, I don't know, I can't make that judgment. But he says, some saints are getting it. I mean, he's pretty bold. He's telling his congregation, you're not getting it. And the word comprehend is different and more is stronger than the word understand. The word understand, you know, speaks to that you get the instructions. You can read the instruction book and, you know, you can put it together and But the word comprehend goes deeper and further than that. And it says that you understand the purpose. You understand the purpose of it. Yes. You assimilate it is what he says. You grasp the nature of it. You grasp the significance. You hold it within the total scope and not just a nickel. Yes. The purpose. May you comprehend, and may I comprehend this morning. And I want to give you something that has really helped me. And that is to understand the two aspects of forgiveness that is, judicial forgiveness and Parental or relational forgiveness. Judicial forgiveness God grants and is immediately complete. In whom we have forgiveness according to the riches of his grace. It says that eternal condemnation the wrath of God, it's all been removed. It's all been removed. Sin's penalty has all been forgiven. 
condemnation. Taken care of. Judicial forgiveness provides the unshakable standing before the throne of divine judgment. You come, you don't have to worry. That there could possibly be a death sentence over you. Judicial forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ and because of Jesus Christ. That forgiveness of past, present, and future judicially is totally taken care of. And then this is where people run awry. Because it's all taken care of, I can do what I want. And so they miss out on the fact that there is father forgiveness or relational forgiveness. In parental forgiveness, if you don't, or when you ask for forgiveness, because you do ask for forgiveness, not for judicial forgiveness, but for relational forgiveness. This just really has helped me. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. Why do I need to ask for forgiveness if judicially I am, everything has been taken care of? It's because it's about relationship with the Father. Yes. That parental forgiveness deals with sin's consequences. It sets things right when you grieve the Holy Spirit. It gets you out of having to be disciplined. You have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Yes. When you ask for forgiveness... You are not asking for forgiveness from an angry judge. No. You are not asking for forgiveness 
with regard to the judgment seat of God. You're saying, Father, I want to be so close to you. I don't want to offend you. I don't want to grieve you. So when First John says this, you know what I mean? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He's not talking about a judgment seat. He's talking about the relational aspect of it. So that's why we confess our sins. If God in Christ has already forgiven it, why do we have to? Because that's the judicial side of forgiveness. But the relational side of it has to do with every day, whenever. Forgiveness. Parental. I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry, Mom. And not only mom and dad, but I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry, sister. Forgiveness is one of the most powerful relational things that there is. Forgiveness. Forgiveness heals division. Forgiveness opens up the door of communication. Forgiveness heals the distraught heart that's frustrating over wrongs that were done or committed. It is so powerful that it's the only thing Jesus said that will stop your own forgiveness is relational forgiveness. When you stand praying, if you remember that there is a conflict, go. Jesus said that in answer to prayer, that the reason that there's not enough answers is because there's lacking relational forgiveness. If you don't forgive your brother, that is generic in terms of gender, neither will your heavenly father forgive you. Well, wait a minute, pastor. I was forgiven in Christ. Yes, judicially you were. But there is a strong element when it comes to relational to have and offer forgiveness. And that's what that hippie was saying. I'm just going to offer them forgiveness. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to let them buy any space. I'm just going to give them for 
forgiveness. And he said, forgive as God in Christ has forgiven you. So there is a role that forgiveness plays in our life. And we do it because Christ has forgiven us. It's not because they make things right. It's not because, you know, somehow now we're getting along. It's because I choose to forgive. They may not be worthy of forgiveness, but neither were you. Somebody give a Lord a praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, it just made such a difference in my life, you know, because for a lot of time I was asking for forgiveness because somehow I thought that, you know what I mean, they're, I was afraid of God. <laughs> Then I heard about the other side, you know what I mean? People just enjoying the judicial forgiveness. I go, Lord, how do these two come together? I'm forgiven. Yes. Our Father. Forgive us as we forgive. As you stand with me today, hallelujah. There's a great exchange that happened in our lives. And we're to take that same great exchange to the lives of other people. God the Father trusted the power of forgiveness in Jesus Christ so much that he laid it all on the line. How many know that when he forgave in the corridors of heaven, nothing had changed in the hearts of men? <laughs> but there's a healing agent that goes out by the power of the Holy Spirit. It goes out. It's got to come from somewhere. It's got to come from somebody. Hallelujah. Somebody has to take the first step. Yes. Somebody has to say, I forgive. And it releases. Oh, yes. Amen. When Jesus said, go into the world and, uh, and preach the gospel, he's not just saying, go with your words. He's saying, go with your life. Amen. Yes. I'll tell you what. Amen. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one to another. If there's somebody and anybody that really can tell a counterfeit, and that's the world. <laughs> they can tell a counterfeit. Amen. Yes, they can. 
We're not counterfeits this morning. No way. Amen. We just got to start the motorcycle. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. We bless you for the exchange life. We're going to live in that exchange life, Father. And we're going to keep that exchange life in relationship as we ask for forgiveness and as we give forgiveness. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, hallelujah. Let your face shine upon this people in Jesus' name. And all the people said amen. Go with God because he's going with you.